Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. The Bible is clear that there is no meaning in life, no purpose in life, and no genuine satisfaction in life without Jesus. There is nowhere else to turn except Jesus. Jesus Christ truly is the only game in town. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 6 and learn what Simon Peter meant when he said there's nowhere else to go except Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a beautiful Friday morning here in Texas. And uh, man, it's just, a, it's just a good morning for Jesus. Matter of fact, every morning's a good morning for Jesus. Every morning's a good afternoon for Jesus. I'm sorry, every afternoon is a good afternoon for Jesus. And every evening's a good evening for Jesus. What am I saying? It's all about Jesus and it's all good when it's about Jesus. Nothing in our lives, it cannot be said enough. That's why I keep saying it over and over and over and over. Nothing in our lives is of more profit than knowing Jesus. Knowing him first as our savior and Lord, knowing our desperate need of him, knowing that we are hopeless and helpless without him, knowing that that he is everything to us, that in Jesus we have life, we have eternal life, we have all the blessings of not only this life, but the next life, and without Jesus we have nothing. We have no meaning, we have no purpose, we have no life, and only eternal destruction and hell awaits. That's why Jesus is everything. That's why we give our lives to Jesus. That's why we humbly ask him to take our lives. We, we ask him to be the Lord of our life because he is everything. And uh, Lord Jesus, we just worship you and we thank you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for entering this world. We thank you for living a perfect life for us and dying a perfect death for us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive and risen and we worship you, our risen Savior. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. And above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we, as we open the scriptures. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. We just thank you for the word of God, Holy Spirit. Bless us now as we finish John 6. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And thank you to my wonderful wife, May, who is always making me these Wonderful, nutritious, and healthy morning nutrition drinks. That's, uh, I guess that's blueberry, right? Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, here we are. It's the end of John 6. Uh, I don't know how many. Stephen would know uh, how many teachings on John 6. This could be the sixth. 
Um, and it's, it's just been, it's been incredible. Could be the fifth or sixth. And I think this is like, uh, teaching 36 or 37 that we've done through the book of John. It's been incredible. Uh, I've learned so much in studying this and it's just exciting. We, uh, we had Bible study at the, uh, at our house last night at our home. And, uh, man, it was just, it was just a powerful Bible study. We did it actually on John four on the, uh, on the on the royal official, the end of John four, where I think it's forty three to fifty four, where the royal official comes to Jesus begging uh, to heal his son who's close to death, and we 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 walk through that, and it was just incredible, man. We just had a good time. I uh, I mean, everybody did good. I I remember that we had a we had someone new here, Anna, and uh, you know she's uh. Josie and Lily's friend, and she, and she did such a good job when I was asking the questions about, uh, you know, why is Jesus saying this? And she says he, you know, he was he was testing the man, and and that really blessed me. And when you said that, because you know sometimes you know Jesus does test us in our faith, and it's not enjoyable. The man is on his face begging Jesus to heal his son. It says he begged him. And Jesus rebukes him, says, you know, all y'all want is signs and miracles. And the man could have been offended. Um, the man could have gotten up and stormed away. And if he does, his son dies. But the man didn't get offended. The man continued to humble himself and beg Jesus to come and heal his son and Jesus tells him, you may go, your son will live, and Jesus heals him. And so, uh, man, we just had a good study, and uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, these are these are fairly young people. I don't know what the age group is. It can go from, I don't know what it is, 14 to, you know, 60. I don't, I don't know how old everybody is, but uh, anyway, it's a wonderful Bible study. All right, John 6, verses 60 to 71. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and we will get rolling. Verse 60. <clears throat> Remember through these first verses, first 59 verses, Jesus has said some very hard things, very difficult things to understand, Corinne. He's used a lot of metaphorical language, right? He's talked about the need to eat his flesh and drink his blood, by which he meant that you need to receive the provision that he made for you at the cross when he, when he shed his blood on the cross. And when he gave his body and he died on behalf of all humanity for the sins of the world, in, in, in receiving that provision and trusting in Jesus Christ and relying on Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior and clinging to Jesus Christ, knowing he's your only hope, humbling yourself and asking him to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin and desiring him and relying on him to be your only Lord and Savior, that in that way, there is provision made for your soul and my soul. And that way, we come into spiritual life. And in that way, we have relationship with God the Father as our Heavenly Father. And, and ultimately, that's the only way we go to heaven. But he, he says it in very difficult language, and he, and he keeps, he just keeps pressing them. He doesn't lighten up. Even when they don't like what they're hearing, and, that, and that's a message for us today in the church, sometimes we, and we've all done this, right? But it's something we need to fight against as ministers. 
we we don't we don't teach what we want to teach and we certainly don't tell people what they want to hear and we're going to see here that Jesus does not tell people what they want to hear they don't like what he's saying but he continues to press the matter and we need to teach the scriptures we need to teach the truth we need to teach the living word of god the bible in as clear and unambiguous fashion as possible. We're not teaching ourselves. We don't teach our own words. We teach the word of God. We teach the holy scriptures. And, and that's what we're called to do. Again, and, and there are parts of the scriptures that are not popular. Particularly in 2021, most people don't want to hear these things. Most people want to have control over everything. We all do, really. But people don't want to hear that you have to totally, totally deny, you know, and walk away from, from any aspect of yourself. In order to, 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 to come into relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have to completely walk away from self-effort. And, and it takes humility to confess, I am a sinful person. The Bible teaches we are, we are sinful. The Bible teaches we are actually vile sinners to a holy God. Most of us don't feel that bad, but that's what it teaches. And because of that, we're separated from the triune God. And only in Jesus Christ can that separation be removed. Only in genuinely trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus Christ as our only hope can that barrier of sin be removed? Can we have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Only in Jesus can our sins be forgiven, and only in Jesus can we go to heaven. And that's not popular, but that's what the Scripture teaches. We're not teaching ourselves or our own ideas or our own thoughts or our own feelings or our own beliefs. We're not permitted any of that. We are told in the scriptures clearly what to believe. We're commanded what to believe. We're commanded on how to do it. We're told how to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're told unambiguously why we need him. And we are told by Jesus' own lips that he is the only solution to the human problem of sin. John 14, 6. This book, when we get there, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. No one can get to God the Father except through Jesus. Everything else is futile and will end only in destruction. This is what it teaches. We're going to see here that that Jesus is not going to lighten up even when they get offended. And again, that needs to be our heart as ministers. We don't need to be deliberately offensive, but we just need to teach the scriptures, the living word of God. We need to teach them in love. We need to teach them with gravity and with seriousness. But that's all we teach. We don't teach ourselves our own opinions, our own ideas. Verse 60, John 6. So remember, they've all heard this very hard, very hard teaching. Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. 
Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. 64. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? it? It's not a hard, it wasn't hard to understand. He repeated himself over and over and over and over and over. And by carefully looking through it, he makes it clear that, that, he, you know, that he was speaking about his death on the cross. He was speaking about his crucifixion. So it's not a hard teaching to understand. It's a hard teaching to accept. It's all wet. My glass is wet. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? The word of God, for the most part, is not hard to understand. Some parts are more difficult, and that's why we have pastors and teachers to break it down for us. But it's hard to accept sometimes. And we have to accept the hard things. We cannot pick and choose, Corinne what we want to accept and what we don't. The Bible, Jason, is not a buffet, okay? You don't go to the buffet line at Golden Corral with the Bible, right? Y'all ever been to Golden Corral? Um, you know, it's kind of like a, a nice place where you go and it's got like 50 things and it's a big buffet and it'll have nice meats and steaks and, and, and everything and you get to pick whatever you want and then it's got dessert in there and it's, it's wonderful. But you don't eat all 50, right? You just get to pay for your buffet for like $13.99 and then you go, you go eat what you wanna eat, Scott, right? But that's not how the scriptures work. That's not how it works with Jesus. That's not how it works with our Heavenly Father or the Holy Spirit. We have to accept the entire scripture, this whole Bible, okay? This whole Bible, all of it, okay? All of it is the living word of God. And we have to accept the things that we like, but we also have to accept the things that, that rub us the wrong way. Because Jesus is not gonna change the truth because of our sensibilities. 
On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Again, not hard to understand, hard to accept. 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? You know, it's been said over the, over the centuries that there was a saying that the more offendable a man is, the more immature he is. And certainly that applies to men and women. So the more offendable we are as human beings, the more immature we are. Let that sink in because we are in a we are the most offendable society there's ever been. We take offense at everything. Think of the gravity of the statement. The more offendable you are, the more immature you are. And the reason is mature people don't get offended. Mature Christian disciples of Jesus Christ, they don't get offended. When people say things that are that are ridiculous, they don't get offended. When people say things that are harsh, they don't get offended. You, you, you pity them, right? When people say foolish things or obnoxious things or, or what for some would be hurtful things, they don't get offended. Because you see, the more we grow in Christ, this is so exciting, y'all. The more we grow in Christ, the more whole we become. The more we grow to be like Christ, the more we mature spiritually, we become more whole emotionally as well. The more that Christ takes over our lives and we live in him and we walk with him, he's always in us. He never leaves us or, mistake, or forsakes us. But the more we walk with him, Landon, the more whole we become. And, and ultimately we get where we're not hurt by the foolish things that people say. We could actually become unoffendable. Does this offend you? Why would Jesus say that? You know it offends them, Lord. Why would you ask them, does this offend you? It says here several times they've been grumbling and arguing. They've been frustrated. They don't like it. And, and it says in verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And when it, when it says disciples here, it's saying in a broad sense, not in a narrow sense. These were not real, saved disciples giving their lives to Jesus like the 12 were. Because you notice the 12 stay when he offers them to leave, right? Look what he says in 67. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12, and they don't. Although one of them is there and has a wrong motive of heart in Judas. So a genuine disciple doesn't leave. A real disciple doesn't leave. The other disciples were there kind of for the for the party, right? You know, they like the party. So they're there when they're partying, when Jesus is doing miracles, when everything is good. But you know what? When it gets a little bit hard, when he starts talking about all this stuff that I really don't want to think about, when he's, you know, I, I, I just want him to, to be my physical deliverer. I'll say again. And I've said this several times, not today, but they were looking for a messianic Messiah and deliverer that would deliver Israel physically 
out from under the hands and oppression of Rome. Rome occupied Israel at this time, and, and they wanted a, a physical deliverer. They wanted a, a great general like King David or Alexander the Great. They wanted some deliverer to deliver, to deliver them out of their physical circumstances and to provide for their physical circumstances, as Jesus did in this chapter when he fed the, the 5,000 men, the 20,000 people. Jesus provided for them physically, but that's all they wanted, where what they needed and what we need is a spiritual deliverer. We need spiritual life. We need spiritual sustenance in Jesus Christ. We need spiritual provision, Leo. But that's not what they wanted. A genuine disciple of Jesus Christ first wants Jesus for himself, wants to know Jesus, receives Jesus as their savior, knowing that they're hopeless without him. And then they want to know him better and to walk with him more. But these turned away. When it got hard, they turned away. And that's, that's a message for us. Because sometimes in life, there are problems, there are difficulties. Sometimes the Lord will test us. Sometimes he'll allow difficulties in our lives. And what do you do? In that time, we need to run to Jesus. We need to pour ourselves into Jesus. We need to continue to follow Jesus. We need to continue to reach out to Jesus. We don't want to be numbered of these disciples in the broad sense. You want to be a disciple in the narrow sense that you're walking with Jesus day in and day out, growing to know him, growing to love him, growing to help others know him. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Interesting, as we said, because they are certainly offended. That's why they're, that's why they're grumbling. And, and instead of backing off, instead of saying, okay, you know, y'all, I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. Stephen, I'm sorry, buddy. I mean, I know I, I shouldn't have said that, Jesse, Tom. You know, that was that was a little bit too hard. Jose, you know what? You're right, buddy. I'm, I shouldn't have gone there. Nope. Josh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. Um, you know, I know that was hard. Ed, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have said that right there. That was a little bit. Caleb, you know, that was a little bit hard right there. I shouldn't have said that. Nope. He ratchets it up. He goes to the next level. Right? Does this offend you? 62. What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? You know what he just told him? You think this is offensive? You think this is hard, what I'm telling you? How about when I ascend back to heaven and you got you to gotta stand before me as your judge? Yeah. What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? You thought this was hard. This ain't hard. Because if you don't accept what I'm saying now, when you stand before me in heaven, it's going to go real hard for you. Jesus has ascended back to heaven. He's the judge of all people. In chapter five, right? You remember when we read it, Jesus said, 
The father judges no one, but is entrusted all judgment to the son. That Greek word all means Oh, it means all. Jesus judges everyone. I do that because sometimes as, you know, sometimes as pastors, we, we you know, the, the Greek is good. Looking at the Greek word is good, but sometimes it can get to be a little bit much. You know what I mean? That's why we have the translations, right? Um, you know, it's, uh, again, and it is interesting, and the Greek word does bring out, um you know, some of the fullness in certain ways. But at the same time, our translations are, are very, very good. What if you see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Verse 63, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Now, this is, this is, this is, this is one of the most important verses of this chapter because here he makes it very clear, Okay. He's already made it clear over and over and over and over, but he gives him one more chance. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Okay. So when he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he, he was never being literal. He wasn't promoting cannibalism. And he's not talking about Holy Communion. He's saying that, 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 that the physical things, they don't count for anything. They don't give you anything. Okay, your life is not in physical things. It's not even in Holy Communion. Now, again, we, we need to practice Holy Communion. It has nothing to do with our salvation. Jesus told, it to, told us to do it in remembrance of him, right? When we practice communion, it is, it is, a, you know, it, it is a remembrance of what he's done, right? And the bread is symbolic of his broken body, and the blood is symbolic of the blood he shared on the cross, and when we do it, we remember Jesus and all that he's done for us with a heart of thankfulness and, and, uh, and gratitude. So when he says here, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So again, he's, he's, he's telling them that the things that I've spoken to you are not about natural things. They're spiritual things. They're not physical things. They're spiritual things. And the words that Jesus speaks are life if you'll receive them. Everything he's just told them in this chapter is that he is, he is the Savior. He's the Messiah. He will, he will give his life for the provision of these people and all people in the world. And they need only receive it, receive it but it's too hard for them to accept. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. When Jesus speaks to you, it gives life to you if you'll receive it. And if I'll receive it, the words of Christ, the whole words of the Bible, the word of God, they, they're, 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 they're spirit. They give life to our spirit. They give us spiritual life. They feed us spiritually. You remember Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, all the words of the scriptures are, 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 are they feed our spirit, their spirit and their life to us and their spiritual life. And they give it meaning and purpose. Wow. 
Whew. 64, yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Now, many people betrayed Jesus. And the reason you betray him is because you don't believe. And if we don't believe in Jesus, there's a chance we'll betray him. And when it says betray him, it's, it's for people who know they really don't believe in Jesus, that they really don't love Christ, right? Because you know that Peter, you know, Peter failed in his walk with Jesus, but, you know, he, you know, he wanted to live for Jesus and, and he made a mistake. We all make mistakes, okay? The someone who betrays Jesus knows that they're they're willingly betraying Jesus. Willingly, they don't want Jesus. Willingly, they're just they, they have no use for Jesus except to use him to their own ends. And that's because we don't truly believe. Look at this. These are all quote disciples. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Just because you go to church, just because we call ourselves Christians, just because we may call ourselves disciples, doesn't mean we truly believe. Do you truly believe in Jesus? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It means to, to have your full trust, reliance, confidence, hope, faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, to believe he is who he says he is, the Son of God. If you're not sure, do you believe that today? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe the scripture that says you have no hope without him? And if you do, you can simply come to him, humble yourself before him, and Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the words that save you. But you could humble yourself and say, Jesus, I know I'm a, I'm a sinner. And I know I cannot save myself in any way, Lord. I know I'm hopeless and helpless and I'm desperate, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you came and lived for me and that you died a torturous death on the cross for me. And Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now, to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith, all my hope, all my trust, all my confidence, all my reliance in you alone, Jesus, to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Again, it's not the words that save us. But when you, when, you, when you have that heart to know Jesus and you express it with words, desperately clinging to him as your savior and your only hope, as the scripture says, you're saved. The spirit of Jesus will come and live in your spirit and give you life. If you're not sure that you believe today, receive Jesus Christ. Again, you can use the words I said, but what's important is that you mean them with all your heart. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. 65, he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. He, repeated, he repeats that. He said it previously. Again, you see the work of the Trinity here. 
do you see in verse 43, the spirit gives life, capital S, God, the Holy Spirit, pow, pow, pow. Um, you see Jesus here, right? God, the son speaking, the one giving his life. And now in verse, in verse uh, 55, he goes on, he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one come to me unless the father, capital F, has enabled him. Father, son, Holy Spirit, right? All God. Three individual beings. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're three individual beings, all God. It is not one God expressing himself in three ways. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three separate beings, and we get to have relationship with all of them. In Jesus, and only in Jesus, there's nothing better than that. We already went on to, we already did 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And this is a very sad verse. It's a sad day when you turn back and don't follow Jesus. But he's merciful. Throughout the scriptures, many of them may, may have come back to him. So if you've turned away from Jesus today, turn back to him. They turned back and left Jesus. If you've turned back from Jesus, turn back to him. From this time, many of his disciples. Again, disciples here is in a broad sense. These are not the, the narrow sense of disciples. These are not genuine disciples. These are not disciples who were saved. These are disciples with ulterior motives. You know, my when someone asked me what my favorite verse is in the whole Bible, for, for over 20 years, I've said it's John 668. It's a little bit different. 67, Jesus says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Why would he ask such a question? Now, the answer is you're not leaving too, but why even say anything to him? You know, Jesus, again, is, is testing the, the veracity of their faith. And, and he would have let them leave if they did. We, we, we want to choose Jesus. We want to choose him, May. It's just a hard question. You don't want to leave too, do you? Of course not. But here's verse 68. And again, this is, uh, this, is, this is my life verse. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Stephen answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Tom said, where, where, where are we going to go? Go where, Lord? There's nowhere else to go. I didn't become a Christian until I was a little older, 27, 28 years old. I didn't know Christ until then. I, I, I tried everything else. Where are we going to go? There's nowhere else to go. Jesus, you're the only game in town. You're the only meaning in town. You're the only purpose in town. You're the only reason for life. Where are we going to go? So beautiful. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There is nowhere else to go. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else. Jesus is the meaning of life. So no, 
I don't want to go because I've tried everything else and it doesn't work. Nothing else works. All the, the, the fun of the world, all the pleasures of the world, money, nothing works. It's all a house of cards. Just blows right over when a little wind comes. It offers no, no genuine fulfillment. It's all just lipstick on a pig. It's all just, it's, it's all just temporary, just trying to fill the void in our lives, and it can never work. Where are we going to go? It's only Jesus that has the words of life. It's only Jesus that has the words of eternal life. Men and women, they have the words of this world. I don't know about y'all. I heard enough people talking forever. All I want to hear is the words of Jesus. And it's Jesus who has the words. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. There's nowhere else to go. So make your way to Jesus today because there's nothing else. Nothing else, no one else. Jesus said it himself in John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Peter speaks on behalf of the 12 when he says this. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. And this is sad because in, in their group, in their mini church, you know, there was, there was, there was someone who knew they weren't a disciple. Judas knew. He didn't have a heart for Jesus. He used to help himself to the money. And later he betrayed Jesus for money. He did throw the money back when he was overcome. But Jesus calls him a devil here. Okay, He's not a literal devil, but he's, he's behaving like a devil. He has, the, he's, he has the, the heart of a devil, not the heart of Jesus. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil, a usurper. Judas did not have a desire for Jesus and to serve Jesus. He was going along. It was kind of cool being in the twelve. But he, he, he didn't want to give his life to Jesus. He didn't want to know Jesus. He didn't want to walk with Jesus. He didn't want to love Jesus. But he kind of liked, the, he kind of liked rolling with the twelve. And, and he was the one who handled the money. It says he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. I just learned this when I was preparing for this teaching. But for all, you know, our whole lives, everyone like in the world has, has heard of Judas Iscariot. But Iscariot's not, the, not, not his last name. <laughs> Iscariot's the place where he, you know, he comes from. Like Kirioth is where he's from. And, you know, and then when you interpret that word, so it's like Judas from Kirioth. Judas Iscariot, something like that. So uh, it's, you know, Iscariot's not his last name. It's what they would call him because it's Judas who's from Kerioth, which when you translate it means Iscariot. So it's basically Judas from this town is what Judas Iscariot means. 
It's not his first and last name. And he would, unfortunately, later betray Jesus. And, and obviously, there can be nothing. There's nothing more unthinkable than to betray Jesus. We all make mistakes. We all sin. But to, but to go take, to take, you know, 30 coins from other religious people and then to go out and give Jesus a betraying kiss on the cheek for money. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Have mercy. Father, we do thank you for the scripture. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for this teaching. We thank you again for this incredible chapter. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. Father, I do pray that that all of us would grow to be genuine, thoughtful, loving disciples, growing to follow you, Lord Jesus, growing to love you, growing to know your love in every aspect of our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for giving your life for us. We thank you. Lord, we thank you for dying in our place and being punished in our place. And we worship you, our risen Savior, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to go ahead of us now. We thank you for your mercy and, and, and helping us uh, complete John chapter 6. We pray uh, just for your continued favor and blessing as we move into chapter 7. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.